from Report 24 with my third episode of Meeting the 92. I'm at the start of this journey. There's a long way to go. But wow, we got a great one for you tonight. Uh, before we get started, big shout out as always to Stella Shoot the Defence. Stella, thank you for all your hard work behind the scenes. I wouldn't be able to do this without you. But we've come to arguably one of the great, you know, one of the top, top, top clubs in world football, never mind the UK, never mind the EPL, but we're talking global here. We've come to Liverpool. We're at Liverpool FC. I'm with Matt Addison, the blood red writer at the Liverpool Echo, lifelong Liverpool fan, living his dream. Hi, Matt. How you doing, mate? Yeah, really good, mate. Really good. Um, As we're recording, I'm sort of trying to enjoy the Euros as much as I can and, and do all of that sort of thing and just enjoying the break, to be honest, between what has been a massively hectic season and I'm sure what will be another massively hectic season next season as well. Oh, it certainly is. I mean, everyone's kind of sort of breathing in during this tournament and well, pre-season will kick off, I guess, it's in the blink of an eye and we'll all be back at it again. Uh, how, did, how did you, how long have you been working at for the newspaper and uh, I mean, as you were saying earlier, dream job, absolute dream job. How you know? How 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 long you've been reporting on the club? Uh, so in terms of my job at the Echo, I've been uh, sort of eighteen months now. Uh, mm. We had about six weeks in the office, and since then we've been at home thanks to uh, COVID nineteen and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, it's um, it is an absolute dream role. I have to be honest; it's something that I kind of decided I wanted to do just before I went to university, really. Um, so I started mm-hmm. doing as much reporting. I didn't just cover Liverpool to begin with, but I was, well, I went to the University of Liverpool. I was based in Liverpool at that time. So I kind of did as much as I could to, to sort of get myself into a position where in the future I could go on and, and report on Liverpool. So probably 70, 80% of my work at that time was was around Liverpool, reporting on youth teams, all of the sort of age groups and, and that sort of thing. And it kind of got to a point when I left university, I studied geography at the University of Liverpool, but then trained to, to be a journalist after that. Um, mm-hmm. And as I was training, a couple of jobs came up at the Echo. So I've kind of got got in there a lot sooner than what I would have imagined, to be honest. And in terms of the plan, it kind of came together a little bit quicker than, than what I would have thought. But yeah, it's been about 18 months now that I've been sort of covering, uh, covering Liverpool for Blood Red. So a lot of my job is kind of podcasts and, and YouTube and that side of, of things, but I do a lot of, of written reporting and stuff like that. So it's a perfect blend, really, of, of being able to do all the different platforms, be able to report on Liverpool. And yeah, it's uh, it's been a strange season, but you know, even then, you know, you, you can't really complain. You can't, you can't. It's, you know, you say the dream, living the dream. It's not the worst thing in the world, is it? Now, I mean, everyone knows you know, the football club's history, it's, you know, historic. I'm showing my age, you know, growing up in the 80s and it was World War when I was a little kid. Liverpool was the team I followed. It really was, you know, when I was five, six, seven years old, that World War, I remember Kenny Dalglish scoring the league winner at Chelsea in there was the 85, 86 season and stuff like that. It just still seems like yesterday. But... Let's focus on Liverpool as a city. Um, you know, around the city, what is the impact of the club? What is the atmosphere of the club? Because there's always this debate between Everton and Liverpool. Who does the city belong to? You know, what is Liverpool's role in the city? 
I think within the city, it's it's fairly balanced, to be honest, between the two. I think there's always going to be those arguments of you know, who's got the most fans, who's got the most local fans and all of that sort of stuff. But I think within the city, it's it's fairly balanced. I mean, obviously, Liverpool is the, the bigger club historically. It's It's been more successful. It's far easier, I think, to be a Liverpool fan than it is to be an Everton fan. And I think, you know, that that is the case. But I think in, in terms of the numbers, it's it's probably... There's no sort of official estimates, but I reckon it's it's pretty sort of similar within the city in terms of, of reds and, and blues. And the, the feeling is 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 typical really of, of any other footballing derby. It's it's one of those where there's a lot of jokes and banter and stuff going between the two, but I think there is underlying all of that. There is, you know, a level of, of respect between the, the two clubs and it's obviously a historic rivalry. It's something that you're never gonna sort of move away from. I think, you know, a lot of people probably wouldn't want to admit it, but I think Everton being better than what they have been of, of late would be a massively good thing for, for Liverpool as well as for Everton. I think it's a bit of a shame that the City's lost Carlo Ancelotti. I think he was a very difficult person, if you're a Liverpool fan, to, to not like. Obviously, he's now moved on, which is a bit of a shame for, for Everton. It'd be interesting to see sort of which direction they go in next. Certainly, if they went for Rafa Benitez, that would be testing, I think, in terms of that relationship. But, um, <laughs> yep. I just, yeah, I, I think there's there's certainly a level of respect there. And I think, you know, Everton, without wanting to quite put it in these terms, they are obviously the smaller club. And you, you, you always are going to have the, the smaller and the bigger. You see that even you know in Madrid and in, in, in every city, you, there's <laughs> always a smaller and a bigger one. But I think generally speaking, it would be a, a good thing if Everton could get back to, to what they were, which is, you know, a, a team at the very least competing for European places. Now, I'm just out of curiosity, when I've been talking, especially in Scotland, uh, my series I did last year, and what I really grew to admire about a lot of the clubs there was the way they ran programmes within the city or the town, wherever they were located, sort of more community-based, and there was a lot of, you know, soccer camps, but also support groups for people with needs, people from more disadvantaged areas of the city. Um, now, with Liverpool, obviously, it's a, you know, a mega club. Is it still the same? Do they still have the same sort of impact within Liverpool? Do they run those, that kind that charitable side where they support people within the city? What's, um, if so, what sort of things do they do? They do all sorts of things. I think Liverpool actually are not particularly good at advertising it, to be honest. I think Everton are, are absolutely brilliant at, at sort of telling people what they're doing. You know, so it's it's more it's more obvious that Everton are, are there in the community, I think, within the city because they tend to shout about it a little bit more, which I think mm -hmm. is, is hugely beneficial. I think Liverpool do put a lot of time and effort and work into that. They've got their own official foundation. They have sort of charity matches. They've had sort of legends games at Anfield, which have raised... You know, millions of pounds collectively over the last few years for, for certain charities and some of those are local some of those are, are global as you would imagine with a club of, of Liverpool size but I just think Liverpool are not particularly brilliant at, at telling people about it they do a lot of good stuff you know they have lots of, of former players who get involved with stuff you know people like Jamie Carragher has got his own foundation and stuff like that Robbie Fowler as well there's there's lots of of former players who are kind of still local who get involved with things and they, they do use them as much as they possibly can. But I think they could be certainly a lot better at, at kind of making what they do a little bit more known. Um, in terms of sort of what they do specifically, I'm not 100% sure. I'm not 100% clued up on it, to be honest with you. But I just think 
you know, the, the, there is the sort of foundation element of it. And it is very much a case of it being primarily in Liverpool, but, but in other places as well. They do lots of soccer camps and stuff around the world and, and things like that. They do lots of, of international things. And obviously a lot of those are, are kind of interlinked with the sponsorships and stuff like that. When you're a club of, of Liverpool size, they have lots of, of sponsors in various parts of the world. And, and that's always something that, that gets done. And I think that's part of, of pre-season in a, a normal time, obviously last summer, this summer, they're not going to be able to go to, to Asia or to America as they would normally do kind of, of one or the other in pre-season. But I think they, they do a lot when they go away with, with those sorts of things as well. Obviously, part of it is sponsorship and part of it is for their own benefit. But I think a lot of it is, is giving stuff back to, to supporters as well. So, yeah, I think it's, it's probably more obvious if you're a smaller local club um, at, a, at a lower level. To, to sort of be able to to have that connection with the local community, mm-hmm. but I do think I do think that is still there with Liverpool. It's it's just maybe on a, a slightly different scale. Ah, it's good to hear though. It is good to hear. I was curious because I noticed, say when when I spoke with the old firm clubs, they it was a similar sort of scenario, and it was, it was you know interesting to know. Now, Matt, I, I have to ask you. Obviously, as you said, you kind of did six weeks before the world stopped spinning and everybody got locked up at home. Um, now, as a reporter, how how have you had to adapt to you know making sure you're still getting the best out of the club, even though you're not allowed to go? In, I assume you're not allowed to go into the club uh, that or at least that often. So, how have you sort of survived, and how has the club supported you as a sort of an external reporter in getting the information out to the local community? Yeah, it's, it's been a challenge, to be honest. It's something that we've kind of have got used to at this point. We do have, um, or we did have when the season was on, a couple of, of reporters uh, at each at each game. So they're Ian Doyle and, and Paul Gorst, our Liverpool correspondent and, and chief Liverpool writer, were both there for, for the matches. Um, but other than that, there's been very sort of little um, sort of going out and, and doing stuff. We, we're kind of getting a little bit back to that. We did a, a piece with Jamie Carragher, actually, for something of, of his foundation, uh, funnily enough, I've only just mentioned that, and that was a couple of, of weeks back. We managed to, to go out and, and actually speak to him in person oh, and do that interview, which was was really good to sort of get off the screens and, and get off doing it on Zoom and, and that sort of thing. Just to, to actually be there in person and, and do that was was brilliant. So it is starting to to get back that way, but we have essentially just had to to do what everybody else has done, which is is do podcasts on online um, to to do basically the same as as what we did before but just to adapt to each of the circumstances and in some ways it's changed obviously the podcast that we used to do in the office we'd all be in the same room we'd all sort of be able to to interact with each other and it's much easier to communicate obviously in person if you just sat next to someone than it is to to be on whatsapp all day and or to be on calls and and google meetings and and stuff like that but it's kind of the same level of of communication as, as what we had it's it's just doing that in a different way and you know, speaking, for example, for a podcast to, to preview a Champions League tie or something like that. I mean, we wouldn't have been speaking with an RB Leipzig reporter, for example, before the Champions League last 16. That wouldn't have been in person. That would have been on the phone. So it's kind of, in that regard, not changed a huge amount. I think that the biggest thing for me is that we've not really been going out on jobs. We've not really been in the office communicating, but that will come back eventually. We've just had to, to kind of make the most of of what we've got really yeah hopefully soon sooner the better as well i mean it's it'll be it'll be great great for that to happen now 
I can't can't talk to you without mentioning the Super League issue and the the fiasco. Uh, you sort of first this is the first club I've spoken you know spoken to that was involved in it. Now, you know, again with a club Liverpool's size, I'm not expecting supporters to be sort of, you know fully indoctrinated into the board of directors and things like that. But first, first from the first sort of point. How engaged are the supporters in the running of the club? You know, are there sort of supporter action groups, support liaison officers, things like that, pre the Super League debacle? And now post the Super League debacle, has there been any change? Well, I think that the first thing to say in terms of the Super League, that the reaction was pretty much unanimous from Liverpool supporters. It was pretty obvious what they wanted and... You know, the, the decision was not something that had obviously been discussed with them at all, which I think was obviously the case for a fair few other clubs as well. In terms of, of representation, they have you know supporters' unions who have been fantastic over the years at, at sort of dealing with various issues. And I think that's kind of the biggest frustration for me in terms of the Super League is that it's pretty obvious what Liverpool fans thought. I don't believe for a second that they didn't realise that. I think they kind of thought that it was probably just worth taking that chance and if they could get away with it the money was big enough that it was worth that chance even if it was only a one percent chance that they got away with it and got it through well it was kind of worth taking that chance so yeah that's that's the frustration I think that there is the, the spirit of Shankly is is the, the sort of biggest sort of union in terms of, of lobbying against things like this they've done it with ticket prices they've done it with various other things mm-hmm. but this was just sort of bigger and, and well beyond all of the others. But Liverpool supporters came together. They made their feelings clear. And this was very much the idea of, of two or three people within Fenway Sports Group, the ownership group. It, it hadn't been discussed um, with the players, with Jurgen Klopp. It hadn't been discussed with any of the staff. I've spoken to to plenty of staff who who found out basically at the, the same time as everybody else did. And, and these are fairly senior people within the football club who, who you would imagine would have been in those conversations, but but they weren't. So I think it's it's one of those decisions that, that should change the way that things happen moving forward. There is kind of this idea of there'll be more fan representation on the board, quite how that works. I don't know. I think there's, there's certain things that make me doubt, you know, they can't, for example, be involved in, in financial decisions. They won't be involved in, in certain things that have to be sort of secretive within the football club. I wonder, you know, as and when the, the time is right, will they be given the opportunity to, to put forward those views? But I think if, if you were kind of an elected fan member onto the board, I think that would be a very difficult job because you are representing a, a lot of people and particularly if you were known as well as, as the person who is on yeah. the board to represent the fans. I mean, it's it's an almost impossible job. I know they employed a, a former journalist, Tony Barrett, to go and work with the club to kind of put forward that a few years ago. And, and that was kind of seen as a, a big step forward. And I think, you know, he has helped to kind of put across to the people in Boston what is the feeling in Liverpool. But again, it's it's almost an impossible job. You're kind of having to put across the opinions of, millions of people who probably you know if you're in another country you never get to go to Anfield maybe the Super League wasn't the worst thing in the world for you I don't know but uh, yeah it's it's almost an impossible job I think with Liverpool but you just have to hope that they're sensible enough not to try something like this again because fundamentally the idea was flawed in the fact that fans absolutely hated it pretty much unanimously 
And if you haven't got fans on board, it's just not the same. You can't sell the product in the same way. It just doesn't quite work. So I think the surprise for me that was really that they even tried it, to be honest. But I think hopefully they have learned their lesson from that. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. You say, I mean, decisions made in the Liverpool boardroom, then, you know, were almost billion dollar decisions. So it's it's a little bit different when all due respect to the last club I, I was at was Sutton United, you know, the newest addition to the Football League, the the financial implications of, of decisions are just slightly, slightly bigger when we get to, you know, Liverpool State. Now, Let's put that to, to one side. I want this to be a slightly more upbeat and positive chat. So, um, you know, Anfield, as you know, one of the iconic atmospheres within football, uh, but as somebody I imagine who's been regularly pre-COVID, you know, what exactly is the atmosphere like, you know, there on a, on a match day? What's the buzz around the crowd? You know, just just kind of give us a nice little picture of it. Yeah, I think it's uh, it is a special atmosphere, particularly on European nights. I think those are, are the occasions when you really feel it when it's under the lights. It's it's a big team coming to town. There is, you know, a real buzz not just around Anfield but around the whole city really in terms of the build up to a big game. And that I think is is only going to feel even bigger once we get back to it. It feels mm. so long ago now that. Atletico Madrid came to, to Anfield and all the fans were there, all of the, the sort of the, the build-up to it. Even from a, a journalistic perspective, we used to go down to, to watch the open training session and film that and do bits to camera and stuff like that. Even that has been sort of taken away because of COVID. The whole build-up to these sorts of games is what makes them, I think. And obviously without fans, it, it's just not quite been the same. So in terms of the atmosphere, yeah, you, you can't beat you know, Anfield on a European night. It, it's just... It's it's something else. I mean, I've been to to a fair few of those occasions, and it's hard to to put it into words, to be honest. And I think that there's always going to be an element of kind of tribalism of, of mm-hmm. other bigger clubs elsewhere around the country will say, "Oh, it's you know, it's it's no different to, to anywhere else." But I don't know. I think there's there's something about Liverpool. There's something about the the results, the the things that have happened at Anfield that just don't happen at, at other football grounds is, is the best way I can put it. You know, not every team comes from 3-0 down to, to beat Barcelona and, and certainly doesn't do it in that sort of way. I, I'd find it hard, to be honest, to, to say that, that that would happen without the atmosphere or, or with a different atmosphere at, at another club. I, I'd find that that hard to believe, to be honest. So, yeah, for me, it's it, it's one of those things that is is special. It, it's something that if, if you've not experienced it, I would, would urge you to, to go and, and try it, to be honest. Just go and, and, and have a take, take it all in. It, it's one of those, you know, global, iconic clubs. I think I'm, I'm fair in, in saying that, that, you know, in the same way that you might go and, and watch Barcelona or Real Madrid or Juventus, Liverpool is no different in that. But at the same time, there's a lot of the hardcore elements of, of the supporters as well in there, which is what makes it special. And, you know, even on, on Premier League games, not not every one is, is absolutely electric, but, you know, the, the bigger ones, the ones that, you know, you, you would imagine have the, the best atmospheres, there's nowhere quite like it, I think. And there's been enough evidence, I think, of that from former players, from results, <laughs> from, from all sorts of things to, to put Anfield absolutely right at, at the top of the, the list, to be honest. Yeah, I always notice that your former players always seem to come back and want to get involved 
and the like. Now you mentioned, say, just popped in my head, popped in my head there while you were talking about about the ground. Now it's correct me if I'm wrong. It's it's quite central. Uh, how long have you been at Anfield? Forever, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's uh, well. Has there ever been any consideration to move out of the city? I know with Everton, there's you know there's been a lot of talk with Liverpool. Has there been any ideas to relocate? How close is it to happening, or has it been to happening? There, there has been a few ideas over the years. I know when the previous ownership came in, they famously said they were going to have the spade in the ground for a, a new ground in the middle of Stanley Park, just sort of between Goodison Park and Anfield, and. They said that was going to be the case within, you know, 40 days or whatever it was. And it, it was just, you know, never going to happen. It was it was completely unrealistic. I think for, for Liverpool, there's always been kind of a talk of they need a bigger ground. It, it's, you know, for, for most of my life, been a, a 45,000-seater stadium. It's It's gone up to, to 54 now with the addition of the new main stand. But I don't think at the moment it, it can ever be big enough. The demand for, for tickets and, and that sort of thing is is enormous. But... Yeah, I'd, I'd be very, very surprised if they moved away from, from Anfield. I think that the sort of idea long-term is, is to stay there and, and redevelop it, which I think is absolutely the right thing. I think we've seen with with other football clubs, uh, with West Ham, with with certain other teams, that it's maybe not quite been as smooth a transition as, as you might like. I think it's going to be fascinating, actually, to, to see what happens with, with Everton and Goodison Park. I think it'll be you know, a big wrench for them. As much as it's a big step forward, it's, it's a brilliant new ground that they're going to have on the waterfront. I think to move away from Goodison Park after so long there is going to be really, really tough. And I quite like the idea that, that Liverpool stay at Anfield. Obviously, if you redo all four stands, it, it's not quite the same as, yeah. as what it was, but it's still in the same place it, it's still got the same thing mm-hmm. around it it kind of still has that same feel to it so yeah they, they've added I think eight and a half thousand seats with the, the new main stand the idea now they've actually just got planning permission in the last couple of days to, to redo the Anfield road end so that will be done in the same way as, as the main stand similar sorts of height again adding um, several thousand new seats seven thousand I think it is to take it to sixty one thousand I would imagine the next idea would be to redo the copper at some point and, and kind of complete the job. So, yeah, the idea is is to stay exactly where they are. I think Liverpool fans would be, you know, very disappointed if, if they moved anywhere else. And I think the amount of, of money as well that they put in now to, to the redevelopment yeah. of Anfield and, and all the rest of it, I think it, it financially and, and economically, it makes sense for Liverpool to stay where they are and, and renovate rather than move somewhere else. I think... <laughs> For someone like Everton, for example, Goodison Park's in, in such a state, really, that they found it cheaper to move somewhere else and, and just start again. I think well, Anfield, it's, it's not quite the same. Are you going to miss them when they go? <laughs> well, they'll, actually, they'll actually be closer to, uh, to where I live than, uh, than where they are now, to be honest. But I'm sure I'll, uh, I'll be able to hear them, to be honest, when they score. Uh, well, well played there, well played. Now, I mean, uh, what are the sort of the I- iconic hangout places around Anfield uh, for fans, you know, where, where where are the places people, you know, the must-go-to places pre-game for a pint or a, a burger or whatever it is you guys have over there? Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, it's it's been a while since I've kind of been there and, and not had some sort of work to do, to be honest. But uh, yeah, there's 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 pubs and stuff around the ground that the Albert, that the Arkles and places like that that people will be familiar with from having sort of seen, you know, the, the team bus come in and things like that. I mean, I think probably I would say that the best way of going about it, to be honest, is 
it's only a short bus ride from the city centre. So if the game is in the afternoon, you can spend the day in the city, get a little bus over to, to Anfield for, for kickoff and, and make a day of it that way, to be honest. So, yeah, there's a few different ways of, of going about it. I think uh, there's, there's loads of places, to be honest. There's a few on, on Anfield Road. There's a few big beer gardens and, and things like that, which are absolutely fantastic. And, yeah, it's... Uh, it's a community that has has much missed Liverpool fans going there. I think at, at times maybe it can be um, a little bit of an annoyance to, to local residents that you know fifty four thousand people are sort of walking their streets every couple of weeks. But I think the uh, the past year eighteen months has, has kind of really shown how much they do miss that vibrancy. I think there's there's loads of nice places uh, around the ground, and yeah, it's uh, it's one of those where you can just kind of have a, a bit of a wander. There's a few activities going on around the ground for, for kids and, and stuff like that that the new shop outside is is fantastic as well now so yeah they've they've kind of made a big effort i think over the last few years to make it a bit more of an experience maybe before it was a bit sort of down and, and damp around the, the ground there wasn't really a great deal going on but i think with the the redevelopment has come a lot more vibrancy on the match day and it's it's kind of it's made the the sort of experience better for, for the fan it's more of a, a day out rather than you just turn up you go in and you go home it's it's kind of there's a lot more going on there these days that's, that's good to hear i've got my you know fan engagement hat on now that's you get lots of ticks <laughs> lots of ticks going on there in my head well done well done um now uh premier league fixtures were out today for those listening you know what day this was recorded uh but yeah the fixtures were out what were the first games you looked for? Um, in my head, the first games that I look for are always the Christmas ones. Um, traditionally, when I've been growing up, that's always been the game that, that me and my cousins would always try and get tickets for on, uh, on Boxing Day to, to see if Liverpool were at home. And Actually, we've been quite fortunate for, for the last, well, it, it seems like sort of six, seven years, we seem to have been at, at home now on, the, on Boxing mm-hmm. Day, which is quite nice. So, yeah, there's there's always been uh, been the Boxing Day fixtures or, or New Year, depending on on when the the family is all over um, that we we would kind of look for. But in terms of, of specific teams, um, it's hard to look past the obvious ones. I think Everton is probably the first one that you look for. Manchester United and at the moment Manchester City, because we hope that, that Liverpool will be back challenging for the title again next season. And I think if they are going to do that, it's it's going to be Manchester City they're going to have to, to come on top of. So, yeah, I think the, the fixtures in terms of Liverpool, they won't have, uh, won't have had any complaints in there, I don't think. Quite spread out, the, the big games and, and that sort of thing. It kind of has worked quite well for them. That's cool. That's cool. Okay, I have to ask as well. Just it's a bit of a quirk of mine. Uh, FA Cup third round. I know it's not as important these days as it. In terms of away days, is there any sort of little club or lower league club that Liverpool fans? It's the one that they would get a special kick out of. Or for you personally, like you know, to go and watch Liverpool play. Is there any anyone there? Um, it's a tough question to to answer. To be honest. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, there's lots of, lots of teams out there, first and foremost. But I think secondly, um, it's, it's very much the bottom of the priority list for Jurgen Klopp. He's not a massive <laughs> fan of, of, of the FA Cup, uh, shame, as you may have shame. noticed from his yeah. team selections over <laughs> the past few seasons. But yes. uh, yeah, no, there, there's, there's loads of, of clubs out there, isn't there? I think for, for Liverpool, it's always 
quite nice to, to get a home tie and, and get, you know, one of the, the lower league clubs, you know, even, even if it's a championship club, just to, to have them and, and have, you know, a slightly bigger away allocation, I always think is, is quite good in, in the Cups, the FA Cup and the, uh, the EFL Cup as well. They obviously get a, a bigger travelling party. And yeah, I always, I suppose the, the one that I would pick out, actually, I went to, to see Liverpool play Plymouth a couple of seasons back and, and that was quite good. I mean, it's obviously slightly different team that Liverpool don't play particularly often. Mm-hmm. Plymouth fans very much up for it because, again, Liverpool's not a team that they get to play very often and it's kind of just a, a nice little occasion. So, yeah, if I had to pick one, I'd go with them, I think. <laughs> oh, well, well done. Sorry for putting you on the spot there, but like, so, <laughs> sometimes I do it anyway. You know? um, now, I'm going to go back one step now because you mentioned about Boxing Day. Uh now, we get a lot of listeners who aren't from the UK. And when we talk, when I talk to them about Boxing Day matches, you know, what is it about the Christmas Day fixtures that, for you personally, you've, you know, are, are special? And when you hear the foreign managers talking about getting rid of, you know, we need a Christmas break, it, are you like me and just like, no, that's, you know, it's sort of sacrilege. You can't do it. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't get rid of the Boxing Day games. I think I'd probably get rid of the game that comes two days after Boxing Day. I don't think that's necessary, to be honest, especially for Liverpool next season. It's going to be, I think, Leeds United on Boxing Day, then Leicester a couple of days later, and then two days later than that, Chelsea. So uh, it, would be, uh, it would be a difficult sort of six or seven days in that period. I think the, the Christmas period is is brilliant for, for just being able to watch football. People are off on Boxing Day. You kind of get to, to watch a load of games. The last couple of seasons, every game has been on TV. Things like that, I think, are, are absolutely brilliant, which is you know, every game being on TV, again, is, is something that we've kind of got used to this season, but won't take place normally, I assume. They're going yeah. to go back to, to not having all of those games on, on television. So that's always a bit of a bonus. I think in terms of me personally, why I always look forward to, to the Boxing Day game is as I say, just to, to get the, the family round and, and sort of watch it together. Obviously, nowadays, it's slightly different. I'll be working, I'll be doing certain mm-hmm. things, probably be at the game when other people won't necessarily. But yeah, over the years, certainly growing up, it, it was always, you know, an opportunity to to watch the game with with a few different family members who are all Liverpool fans, but we don't get to, to watch the game necessarily together on a, a regular basis just because of the distance that we are apart and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's it's just a, a nice opportunity, I think, to, to watch a bit of good football. Obviously, whether that's what's Liverpool or whether that's another team, it's it's just one of those periods where, a bit like when you're watching a World Cup or a Euros, you can just yeah. turn the TV on and you know there'll be football on at some point. Yeah, three, three four games back-to-back. That's a, a classic back Boxing Day uh, experience in, in my house as well. Uh, but fa- yeah, thanks for that, Matt. Uh, no, not particularly Liverpool centric, but it's still important to discuss. Now, we're, just before we go, though, obviously you've the you've got the podcasts and that going out, and the you know with Blood Red with Liverpool Echo. But how often are those podcasts going out? Where are the best places for people listening who go, oh, oh cool? Does this or you know? didn't know about this where's the best place for them to find find your work yeah um so we have very very regular podcasts with blood red we do at least one podcast in in some form every day of the week um so we react to, to news we'll get exclusive interviews we do all sorts of of things and if you search for, for blood red wherever 
you get your podcasts from, you should be able to, to find us on there. We're one of the, the biggest football podcasts in the country. So fairly well advertised on Apple podcasts and, and various other places. Um, and the YouTube channel is, is huge for that as well. If you'd rather watch a podcast rather than listen to it, we have all of them going up on our YouTube channel. And we've actually got a, a few um, plans in the pipeline to have a few sort of bonus extra podcasts if you sign up for our Blood Red Club so you can visit www.bloodredpodcast.co.uk and stick your email address in there you'll get an extra couple of emails a week from me with some bonus content We've got a, a couple of exclusives in the bag with a couple of uh, different Liverpool legends to come in the, the next few weeks things like that that you won't get across our other YouTube and, and other podcast channels, but just a, a little bit of a, an extra bonus for you. So yeah, more content than uh, you could ever desire Liverpool wise. And yeah, we, we have obviously different sort of things. We have our, our expertise from, from our journalists. We try and speak to, to other people in other countries, Liverpool being linked with Florian Neuhaus at, at Borussia Mönchengladbach at the moment. I spoke to, to someone in Germany about him to try and get the lowdown. Yeah, if there's a, if there's a Liverpool angle on a story, we've got it covered. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Well, thanks for thanks for t- uh, today so much. I've really enjoyed it, and uh, wish wish you the best of luck for for the forthcoming season. Any little snippets of information you can give us just before we go, or is it all got a <laughs> got got to tune into the podcasts? <laughs> Oh, absolutely, yeah. Tune into uh, to the podcast. <laughs> to be honest, it's a uh, it's a little bit quiet on the uh, the transfers front at the moment. It's uh, it's one of those. I think Liverpool are going to have to get rid of a few players before they bring anybody in. So I would imagine mm. at the end of the the Euros, or certainly at the end of of Switzerland's participation in the Euros, there might be a, a move in the offing for for Zerdin Shakiri, for example. Mm. Harry Wilson potentially, once Wales are knocked out, his future might then get discussed. And I think only once one or two of those players have have been. Uh, moved on from Liverpool's books, there, there might be one or two more to come in. Obviously, Ibrahima Konate has come in already at, at centre-back, but I would anticipate there'd be one or two more. Well, we'll be watching with uh, eager eyes and, and everything else over the summer. Well, yeah, say thanks thanks for this today. So, uh, no problem so much, at all. Matt. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. If anyone wants to you know, follow you personally, connect with you personally on the social medias, is, is there any place they can do it? Yeah, Twitter's probably the best place. It's uh, at MattAddison97 on there. Um, and you will find all of the uh, the podcasts and all of that sort of thing. If you're struggling to find them anywhere else, you can, uh, can always look through my Twitter feed and they will be there wait, ready and, and waiting for you. Oh, fantastic. Well, that's it for today, everyone. Episode three has been a fantastic story. Who knows where episode four is going to take me? But till next time, of course, I'm Adam at Ucrafold24. You can follow me across all the social medias as well. But take care, stay safe, and goodbye for now. <laughs>